Today we're going to be looking at critics. And next week we're going to be looking at needy people. Following that, we're going to be looking at manipulators, one of my favorite kind of people, and uh, then the hypocrites. So those are the different groups that we're going to be covering in the next uh, few weeks. And uh, today we're going to open up the series talking about how do we uh, interact with, how do we cope with, how do we handle critical people in our lives? Uh, we see in the passage that we read today, poor Mary, my goodness, uh, the first time that we meet Mary, she's there just soaking in what Jesus has to say. And Martha comes up to Mary, I'm up to, to Jesus, Jesus, make her get up and get to work. You know, she's, she's not doing her part. She's not pulling her weight. So here's Martha, I mean, Mary being complained about. And then now we see her again at the feet of Jesus, just adoring him, worshiping him, pouring out her substance, this, this costly perfume to him. And old Judas says, why was it that sold and that money given to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and uh, thank goodness both times. The Lord comes to, Mar to Mary's aid, doesn't he? He defends those that are looking to him and trying to follow him and doing it the best they can. And so just to, if I could just cut this all short and say, uh, uh, if you'll just keep your eyes on Jesus, all this other stuff's going to fall into place and he'll handle it. But I'm not really going to stop there today, okay? Uh, but that's that's the summation of it all. But uh, how many of you would say, I know somebody who's very, very critical? Okay, just one person. Anybody else? Just, oh, okay. All right, we've got a few more people. Uh, how many of you say, this is just, just uh, I know somebody like that. Let's see your hands again. Okay, there we go. That's more like it. Uh, hands up all over the place. So how many of you are sitting next to them right now? <laughs> don't raise your hands on that one, okay? We don't want any fights breaking out in church. That wouldn't be good. But uh, the truth of the matter is that all of us are going to deal with people who are critical. It's a part of life. And uh, it's just a part of life. People are going to criticize us for what we do or what we don't do. It's a fact. Uh, now, I want you to just go ahead and say this out loud. I'm going to say it and then we'll say it together. I will be criticized. Now, let's say it together. I will be criticized. So now then, the question is, what do you do about it? How do you handle it? And I must confess that there was a time in my life when I didn't take criticism well. I didn't handle criticism well. And the Lord's gracious enough to help me with that a lot. I'm not saying I've gotten to where I don't ever have any problems with it, but I'm so much better than I used to be, but still have a long way to go. Because, uh, well, let's face it, I'm a preacher. I prepare all week. I get a message ready. And uh, 
whenever people walk out the door and they just say, good service, and they say nothing about the message, I think that what they're saying is your sermon stunk, you know. <laughs> so uh, now don't all go out saying good messages. But, uh, and, okay, so uh, anyway, but this is one of those things where we all, uh, we, we, we all have feelings and we all have different things. And how do you cope with this? And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. You see, all through the Bible, we see this. In the Old Testament, Moses was criticized by his own family members for the woman that he married. He married a Cushite woman. And Aaron and Miriam just couldn't stand that he married someone like this. And so if you're married to someone that your family doesn't like, then welcome to the Moses Club. You're in good company. He was also criticized for all things for leading the people out of slavery. For here is something that the, uh, the, the, the Jewish people celebrate to this day. They just griped about it, said, oh, I wish I was back in Egypt where things were so much better than they are today. In the New Testament, we've got the Apostle Paul, this incredible evangelist being criticized by uh, uh, non-believers and by believers of different sorts. They called him a hypocrite. They said that he wasn't a good teacher. They said he wasn't a good preacher. Well, let's face it, he did cause one guy just to fall asleep while he was preaching, and he died. And Paul had to bring him back to life. It's nice that the Lord helped him out with that. But anyway, he. Uh, uh, but also, Jesus was criticized. Uh, here's the man, one man, without sin, the Son of God. Well, he hangs out with the wrong kind of people. He eats with tax collectors and uh, his friends are the sinners and he heals on the Sabbath. You see, you're in good company if you get criticized. It's going to happen. Even if you can walk on water, literally, you're going to be criticized. So let's say it again. I will be criticized. I will be criticized. The key thought for the day is that praise and criticism are windows of the heart. In fact, uh, Ecclesiastes 7.5 says, it's better to be criticized by a wise person than praised by a fool. Praise and criticism tell us a lot about what people believe. And uh, let's, you know, Jesus told us that it's by our words that we're going to be judged. That uh, it's not what goes into the mouth; it's what comes out of the mouth, and we're gonna. And, be, and then he says, "Why? Because it's out of the heart that the things that you say flow." So, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Praise often reveals what people value the most. Reminds me of a true story of a guy, and this is not a funny story, of a guy who was criticizing his roommate. And he told this pastor over and over again how ungodly this roommate was. He said he looks at pornography and he's filled with lust. And he just continually was criticizing his roommate about things like that. And then the very next day, after hearing this criticism, the pastor discovered that this criticizer was having an affair with, an, with a married woman. So uh, you see what you criticize 
often reveals your own deepest insecurities. And maybe that's why Jesus said, before you try to get the speck out of your own eye, before you try to get the speck out of somebody else's eye, take the log out of your own eye first. What you praise often reveals what you value the most. And what someone criticizes is often a window to their heart. And it shows a point of insecurity. Now, let's look at why that people could be so critical. Truth is, most of the time, those were the most critical are the ones that really don't like themselves. And they'll criticize you because it helps validate them in their own heart. You've heard the phrase, uh, trying to look good at somebody else's expense. They'll do it just between themselves and you. If they can make you feel and make it look like you're put down, you see, they feel elevated. So uh, uh, it helps them feel more important and more special if they can look down on someone or criticize someone. So uh, how do you deal with critical people? Truth is, for many of you, Every single day, this is a real issue. And sadly, some of you grew up with critical parents. And no matter what you did, it was just never good enough. And uh, I've heard uh, a, uh, a counseling uh, professor say that it's, uh, it was David Siemens is his name. He uh, said that uh, it's kind of like some people grow up in a situation where it's like they try and try. It winds up being this way with their parents and with the Lord. With their parents, they try and try to do their best and they get there to where they've done the best that they can. And the parents say, you can do better than that. And this transfers over to their view of God. And so if they've grown up with critical parents, they see God as a harsh criticizer who is always expecting more and they'll climb that ladder trying to please God. And they get there and say, oh, I finally got to that rung. And they look and there's another rung on the ladder. There's so many people that live in that sort of a life. And they were brought up with this just not quite good enough. And that's what they hear God saying in the back of their heads, their imaginary God, is it's just not quite good enough yet. Well, you're never going to be good enough. But Jesus has taken care of all of that because he loves you in spite of yourself, okay? So don't worry about trying to be good enough. Just worry about being with him. As long as you stay in his presence, he's going to guide you and transform you and empower you, and it's going to be good. So uh, anyway... Your parents, different things in life, standards and all can affect you deeply. And some of you may be in a marriage where the conversation is uh, just characterized by being critical. You're never good enough. You're not this. You're not that. Nitpicking you apart. It could be at work or it could be friends who criticize you. And, and Christians, unfortunately, can sometimes be the most critical of other Christ followers. So uh, we've just seen praise and criticism are a window to the heart. And uh, first of all, uh, 
I just want to let's let's get on to we've, we're in this. And so what do we do about it? There are wrong responses. It says in your notes, probably I haven't looked at. Yeah, it's I, I wouldn't I, I, if I I might want to rephrase that if I ever do this again. Instead of saying wrong responses, say normal responses. These are the natural responses of uh, someone who is just reacting instead of living out of a love for the Lord and trying to please him. And uh, you can sum up those uh, normal responses as fight or flight. Just think about it. uh, well, I'll, I'll just give you an example. I've shared, some of you have heard this story, some of you haven't. Uh, when I was uh, at one church, there was a, a preacher that was without a church from another Methodist denomination. And uh, he was still there in town and uh, looking for something to do next. And he was, uh, I think he was driving a truck at the time to make ends meet. And uh, so he was attending our church And I noticed that he took notes every Sunday. And I was so proud. And so you remember this story. Uh, He was, uh, I was just so proud. This preacher that everybody had loved in his church, uh, they were all, he was, they were, he was taking notes. I thought he's, hey, this is good. This is good. I'm, I'm helping this guy out. And then he made an appointment with me to see me one day and he came in and he pulls out this wad of about a year's worth of notes. They're just taking on bits and scraps of paper and he just kind of laid them out in his lap. He said, when, you know, whenever I'm uh, trying to teach my, uh, my daughter something, uh, I start out by just asking questions. And I thought, this, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. And he pulled out a piece of paper. He said, well, like last Sunday, that woman that you mentioned, how did the, uh, people in the congregation feel about that woman because of what you said about her. And uh, all of a sudden, I see where this is going. He just had a lot of nuggets of uh, uh, criticism that you might say he'd been finding fault, or that's the way I took it at that point in time. We had all these ways that he was going to help me to be a better preacher. And uh, my thought was, Something's not right with this picture. I'm, I'm, I'm up there preaching. You sitting out there listening for some reason. Uh, I got a church. You don't. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, but something began to well up within me. And this is that we're, we're prone when something, when we're feeling like we're being really put down or criticized, the fight syndrome can set in, can't it? All of a sudden, your heart starts beating stronger. And uh, uh, you just wind up, uh, it just the adrenaline pump gets in and you get ready to defend yourself, don't you? And, uh, and so that's the way I was, and I was just getting ready to open my mouth and start my reply. And uh, the phone rang. It's the church phone. Somehow they knew how I was there. It turns out that uh, he was driving a school bus part time also. And there had been a snowstorm that was on its way. And they needed to get all the kids home before the snowstorm hit. And so uh, he had to just hop up and leave. And it was God's grace to me, I must say, that he went ahead and left. That the Lord just cut that, that meeting short. 
God will use. He'll send snowstorms. He sends all sorts of stuff to help you. And you don't even realize it at the time. But at that point in time, that's what happened. And so uh, uh, that's just uh, that fight or flight syndrome. Sometimes we get ready to fight. Sometimes, uh, you know, like at that time, I was uh, I was just uh, God was gracious. I had some growing to do. I wasn't going to handle that in the right way. And I was going to wind up attacking a fellow minister. I wouldn't have just cussed him out or anything like that, but I was going to be defending myself. And so uh, uh, the, there's uh, the, the fight syndrome. Then there's the flight syndrome. And uh, this is ticklish because let's face it, there are some people that you need to distance yourself from. There are some people that are just like acid on your soul and their negativity towards you all the time that you're around them just eats away at your spirit and your soul. And that's a danger. And this is why we have the fight or flight syndrome is for self-preservation. And so there are times when it's best to distance yourself from people, from the people that, that are like that. It's good sometimes for your mental, emotional, and spiritual health to just go ahead and just move away. You don't just run out the door. Whenever I say flee or flight, you just move out of the way. There are other times, though, when uh, if we are just too proud and really haven't learned how to handle criticism well, that we'll wind up alienating ourselves from just about everybody because uh, uh, there may be valid things that need to be worked on that you won't hear from other people. And so you just, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Not going to have anything to do with them. And I've seen people like this. If people didn't agree with them on everything, they just were out of their life. And that's wrong too. There's, there's a more mature way to handle a lot of this, but there are those people that are just toxic. And so let's face it. So I'm not saying that you stay in the presence of someone who is a toxic person. Please hear that. But uh, there are other times when you need to hear what they have to say. And so uh, this brings us up to right responses. And these can help you to evaluate whether a person really is toxic or not. And the first question that I have down here uh, for, for me to share with you is listen. Really listen. Don't just hear the a negative thing. Listen and ask yourself, is what they're saying the truth? Because you see, God can put critical people in your lives to help you to grow. There may be something really wrong with you that he is trying to get your attention about. And uh, just like uh uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you. There's another uh, retired minister. It was well, Doctor C. E. Peoples was in the same church. He's the he was the retired. He was the he was the uh, president of uh, president emeritus of Lon Morris College at that time. Wonderful man, one of the most beautiful Christians you'll ever meet. And whenever he came and sat in the congregation, it was like having a saint just sitting there with us that day. Respected by everyone, kind, generous hearted, 
great guy. And he would come by and visit from time to time. And he would make suggestions about my preaching. But he had a way of doing it where it was kind and it was helpful. Now then, look at both these people. Both of them are talking about my preaching, aren't they? God put both of these men in my life at that time. And the message that I could get that was coming from both of them was, your preaching's not quite good enough yet. You need to be working on your preaching. Was I willing to receive that? Was I willing to do that? You see, now this was the first guy I was telling you about. Now that I look back on it, I can see he meant well. He was trying to help me. I didn't receive what he meant well. And because of that, I probably wound up not having someone that could have been a close friend. I should have called him up later and said, hey, when can we continue this, uh, this time of edification in helping me to do better? You know, but I didn't do that because I wasn't in that place at that time. And as I'm speaking to you today, some of you here, some of you are going to hear this on the podcast. You may realize that you haven't really been listening and asking is what they're saying the truth. Even if someone hates your guts and they are trying to destroy you verbally, one of the enemy's best weapons is the truth, is to take the truth and hurl it at you in such a way that it hurts. But does that make it not true? No. And so you need to ask yourself if it's true or not. And one of the things to do is if they say, uh, if, if they're telling you something and they're attacking you and it's true, then you can just say, instead of being defensive, you can say, well, you know what? You're right about that. I need to work on that. Thank you for that. Now, if someone was trying to hurt you and get your goat, what would that do to them? It would pretty well defuse the situation, wouldn't it? I'm, or they do, there's going to apoplexy because they weren't getting the response that the enemy was wanting to get out of you. And so I've learned that the truth is the most important thing. And even if I know that they're just a snake trying to get me, I can acknowledge that. And uh, it winds up being uh, uh, something that helps uh, calm things down in that situation in some shape, form, or fashion. So no matter what the motive, if it's the truth, you may learn something valuable now, uh, we need to listen whenever their uh, motive is to help and not to hurt. Some people just aren't very diplomatic when they're trying to be helpful. Let's face it. But you've got to look at their motive. Uh, arguing and fighting. Uh, they may be just trying to get you down to their level. And uh, if they can pull you down to their level, then uh, they've won. They've won. They've accomplished what the enemy wanted to accomplish through them. They have discredited you. And uh, so when the, the, there are times when the person can help. Listen. When they can help, learn from them. Learn from them. And uh, so now they remember both of these ministers that I mentioned before, they both wanted to help. So uh, uh, now that so the first thing you do is you listen. And you evaluate who the speaker is and what is their intention in saying what they're saying. Is it really to be helpful 
Are they really trying to get you? And so let's face it, you'll have both. Now, the next thing is answer. After you've listened and understand what's going on, when the person is missing some information that would change their perception, uh, it's a good thing to give them the information that they need that might change their perspective. Uh, and uh, in, in fact, uh, uh, when a person is open to uh, understanding more fully, uh, that's the time to give them an answer. Uh, I don't have time to read it, but in Judges 8.1, there's a group of people that were criticizing Gideon. And uh, so he, it tells you right there in the Bible, it says that he gave them an answer. Let's see, where does it say? He said, he answered them. He explained what he was about. And then basically they said, oh, that's cool. And everything was okay. And they became good friends, you know, and they helped each other out. Now that after uh, that, there's some people and some criticism you just need to discount. You need to just uh, uh, understand that there are these people that they're just overly critical and it's uh, their worldview, everything to them. It reminds me of uh, there was a, a family gathering and uh, grandpa went to sleep on the chair and grandpa had a big, not on the chair, on the couch, and he had a big handlebar mustache. And one of the grandkids, and uh, uh, if, you, if you're a grandchild, you might ought to listen to this, took uh, Limburger cheese and put the Limburger cheese in Grandpa's mustache. Now, if y'all don't know, Limburger cheese just smells like rotten milk. I mean, it's just bad. It really stinks. So anyway, shortly after they did that, he woke up and he said, this, this couch stinks. <laughs> and he got up off the couch and he walked. He said, this whole room stinks. And he walked all through the house. He said, this whole house just stinks. And then he walked outside and he said, the whole world stinks. <laughs> but where was the stinking really? It was him. He was the one that was stinking. But there, you'll run across people like that. It's really their problem, but they take it out on everybody around them. And uh, it may not really, they're not going to see anything good in us if they're that kind of a person. And so we learn to uh, dismiss uh, that and, and, and not let it distract us. And then there are those people that are emotionally unhealthy and wounded. And let's face it, when someone's hurting, their natural uh, action can be to hurt other people. It's not necessarily directed personally at you, but you're just the, 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 the thing that's around there that they can vent on. And so uh, um, reminds me of uh, we had, a, a, we had a, a dog that was just nuts. I mean, it was the weirdest dog you ever saw. That dog, it was, it must, I guess it was probably part, uh, Belgian Malinois and, uh, part bird dog. Bad combination. I would never get one of those again. It could climb a chain link fence like a monkey. It was a, an escape artist par excellence. It would get out and just travel the town. Thank goodness it was a small town 
but it would, uh, you know, we get calls. Hey, Joel, your dog's uh, uh, got it got out again. If you'll go look in Aunt Bessie's backyard, I put it inside the fence there. If they'd left it out, it'd come back home when it got hungry. So then I had to go get it. So uh, anyway, so this dog is going to call uh, Brother Joel. Your dog's down here at the church again, playing with the kids on the playground. Have to go get the dog. It was terrible. The dog got out one time as Sharon was leaving, and also this dog chased cars. And the dog took out after Sharon, after the car that Sharon was driving, before she got on the road even, uh, going out of the driveway, and he caught the car. He caught the car. And whenever he did so, his teeth latched into the tread on the tire. It pulled the dog into the wheel housing. And then it stuck there in the wheel housing with the tire rubbing on it. And she hears this mournful sound as she stops the car and she gets out and the dog falls out from the wheel housing and its backside had really gotten made raw and uh it was trying to get rid of the pain and so it was just sitting on its rump just pushing itself as fast as it could uh around on the ground scooting around with on just his front with their his front legs and uh a group of uh workers came walking by at that time and they thought that was the funniest that dog was the funniest thing they'd ever seen in their life and Sharon got mad at them for making fun of their dog that was in pain. And so there's this whole the night the bed fell sort of a thing going on there. And uh, I, and I'd also, uh, Joel had been out shoveling bricks. I had him outside shoveling. I saw him just, I was in the, sitting having a cup of coffee looking out the window. Saw him throw the shovel down and take off running. I thought the boy just couldn't stand work anymore. You know? So, but what he was doing was running to go rescue the dog. And so he runs over and he grabs his dog to uh, take care of it. And the dog bit the tip of his finger off, was just hanging on by a piece of skin. And so now I've got this dog that's in bad spot. I've got a son whose fingers falling apart. And uh, so Sharon and I have to come to our senses and sort it all out very quickly. And then we have to wind up. Uh, uh, I took the dog to the vet while Sharon took our son to the emergency room to get his finger put back on uh, the, the tip of his finger put back on. You could never tell that happened now. But you see, the dog was in pain and the dog had no idea what was going on. Just like none of the rest of us had any idea what was going on. And so he, uh, but the dog was in pain. Joel loved that dog. That dog loved him. But at that moment in pain, it bit the one that loved it. And sometimes you'll wind up with people who will do that. Whenever somebody's hurting financially and you're doing well financially, they may criticize you uh, just to feel better about themselves. When they're hurting, if their marriage is having trouble, they may criticize the way that you and your uh, your husband or your wife do things. If, you're, if their kids are not uh, living up to what they expected them to be or disappointment, they may be criticizing you and the way that you're handling your kids. 
they're hurting and they lash out at you. Whenever you wind up with hurting people that are hurting you, I think this is one of the reasons why the Lord had to remind us, love your enemies, do good to those that persecute you and spitefully use you. These problem people, these critics, many times are some of the most miserable people in the world. They need your prayer, they need your love, and they need what understanding you can give. Some of them they not, may not even uh, be able to, to handle your love at the time. But just remember what's going on there. And ultimately, just to kind of close things out, I'll just stop here and say, uh, sometimes you just have to shake these things off. Whenever those people are doing things to you at the moment, after they're not hurting anymore, they're going to be different. So you just shake it off. Reminds me of the old mule that fell in a deep hole and it started braying and braying. And uh, they came and the farmer saw it was down there. It was an old mule and it wasn't going to last much longer anyway. So he just decided he's just going to bury that mule. And so he just started shoveling dirt in the hole. Some other people came and started helping him, just trying to bury this mule. And the mule got kind of upset with all this dirt on its back. It just kind of shook all the dirt off. And then more dirt came and shook it off. And it got so the mule was shaking it off and stepping up. Shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up until finally the mule just stepped out of the hole. That's what you need to do. Ultimately, if it's somebody that uh, you can't do anything else, you just shake it off and step up and you grow from the criticism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.